There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com. It's time for a healthy dose of According to the Castles, the show where we talk about marriage, family, faith, health, nutrition, fitness, and so much more. And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Hey, everyone. It's Amy Castles. How we doing? Trey here. We have a very special guest, DJ Mr. Famous. Hey, what's happening? How y'all Actually, doing? His uh, <laughs> real name is Tavares. So, Tavares. 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 Oh, thank Amy you. calling that from Sun School. That Tavares. Tavares Coleman. Tavares Ooh. Coleman. Yes, ma'am. And Tavares is a very special man that I met a few years ago. Let me just say, you're in producing you're a video producer and you've done that for how many years now 10 years over 10 years and you have many many gifts and talents and i've seen that through the years just honestly most of our relationship has been through facebook Mm -hmm. and you seeing my post me seeing your post and we've had many conversations back and forth in messenger but i wanted to have you on here because you have a story that is incredible and i've heard bits and pieces of it but i've never heard the full story I think that it's amazing when you meet someone and you know that God put those two people in one place at a time. And I never take those for granted. And I I try to just be in the moment, which is why it takes me forever sometimes to get into the store. But I met you (laughs) in... 2013, I believe it was. It was 2013 or 2014. About 10 years. Or 2014, maybe. The Juice Place. It was at the the Juice juice Place. I thought it was before that. Well, it might have been, I don't know. I'd, you know what? I'd have to look back on the messenger. But mm-hmm. I went to a juice store off Greens Point Road, 
and I had just left a yoga class. Mm. And this yoga class was teaching on some things that were really contradicting with my spirit. Mm. And I was questioning, I was very confused, and I was questioning a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I went to Just Juice off of uh, I-45 and Greenspoint Road. Mm -hmm. It's still there, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. And walking in there, I felt the presence of God in that store. And you were sitting there. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started talking to you. Mm -hmm. And it was an instant connection. And you told me just a little bit of your story. So I want to hear more. And I want to hear the whole thing. So can you tell me? Well, you know, I actually came to Houston in 2007, December. Then 2008, I came back. And I actually met Tom when I walked in that shop uh, in 2008, actually. And from there, we built a relationship. I was telling him I was coming here. I felt like God had led me to Houston. And so we built a relationship there and started talking. Tom was a great guy. still is to today. And from there, I began to talk to God about getting started with ministry here. And, and he, and Tom himself told me, hey, man, you can start having a Bible study right here. And he opened the doors for me to have a Bible study mm -hmm. in that juice place. And it started off with one person, and it just exploded. I mean, people cool. started coming from all over the place. And it was like you said, it was the presence of God that mainly I was focusing on in the sense of creating an atmosphere for, you know, because I'm a worshiper, right? So I was all about setting an atmosphere for people to come in there and have that moment with God rather than have a moment with me, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Or have a mo moment with religion rather say. Because I realize that's what people yeah. need the most. They need a relationship with God, not religion, right? Right. And so from there, that's what I uh, started doing. But before all that, in uh, Louisiana, and that's where I come from. I was born in New Orleans. I lived in New Orleans at some point, but also moved out in Thibodeau, Louisiana, and started growing up out there. I come from faith. My grandfather was a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Moved to him. My mom sent me to my grandfather because around five or six years old, I had a temper. I used to like to fight, right? And I shot somebody one time with a BB gun. At and five or six? Yeah. Okay. yeah. On purpose? And yeah. Because, he, because <laughs> what happened was he was handicapped. Well, especially. Right? Oh, and this is getting worse. He, well, he had a hearing problem. And when he would talk, it was like he would talk and I couldn't hardly hear him. And he was chasing my little brothers and sisters and my friends in the apartments one night, one day. And I got mad. So I went in the house, got the gun and everything, came back outside. And I waited for all of them to come run around the apartments. <laughs> they ran and they passed me and I waited for him. When he came, I shot him, boom, in the, in the stomach. He fell on the ground, started crying. And I took off running. I ran and my mom found me, man. They broke the gun up. And she said, you going to live with your grandfather. Before you could put that boy out. Get your stuff. Down. She shipped it to my grandfather. And so I stayed with him for about two years before he passed away. But in that time, he would bring me to church with him. Mm -hmm. And he would introduce me to Christ. He would read the scriptures to me. That stuck with me. You know, I actually with my grandfather the day he actually caught a stroke and passed away. I was with him coming out the church mm -hmm. and he grabbed his chest and he fell on the car. And that was the last time I saw him, you know, Aww. and it hurt me. And I was mad with God for a while. And so I didn't go to church for a while. I ain't went to church for like years. Who the thing that brought me back to church was actually funerals. My friend got mm -hmm. killed late on in life. You know, over those years, I started doing certain things. I wouldn't get in trouble a whole lot, but I did get in trouble. Because sometimes I would get in trouble with the friends I was hanging with. Then when I switch over and get new friends, I would get into plays and different events and things like that. I would mm -hmm. go fishing and hunting. So, you know, through time I learned a lot. But, in, but when I got older, like 19 or 17, 18, 19, 20, that's when the years came when I started getting involved with gang life, you know what I'm saying? Um, drug dealing and so on and so on and so on, you know. Right. started going down. Yeah, it just started going and get crazy. So that's kind of how my life went from childhood. And then when I got into my early teens, I started getting in more trouble, you know, with crime, like real trouble. Yeah. And so what happened? Well, at 17, you know, I caught my first distribution of crack cocaine. I was selling crack, you know, I was selling cocaine. I was selling guns. Then I got shot. 
I got shot around that time, you know, doing robberies and stuff. And it just started getting worse. I mean, I was, you know, a lot of things started happening. I started recruiting gang members, you know, I started being a leader of a gang and started initiating people to join the gang and then showing them different things, how to do certain things in the streets, you know. And You had a leadership ability just yes, in the wrong field. Yes, yes. And not just leadership, but I look back now, also administration in the sense of how to run a business. Hmm. You know, come from the dope life, you know, I would buy drugs um, wholesale. Yeah. You know, yep, break yep. it down, sell it retail, you know, to yep. the streets. And, you know, I had a lot of investment skills, you know. I didn't, I was just investing in the wrong product, you feel me? And I had to learn that once I got saved, you know, because from 17 to about 22, my life was strictly drug activity, gang activity, just doing the worst. You know, it just kind of got worse. And uh, in the process, like I said, I got shot. I had people put hits out on me for stuff I was doing. And then around, you know, 21, 22. I was on the fifth year of my probation. I ended up getting three felonies that year. One was possession of cocaine. Another one was possession of a firearm. And another one was second degree murder. Two counts. So I ended up going to prison for murder, you know, from living that life. And that's when God started being welcomed in my life. Because at that time, even before that, I got into say I was trying to get my life right with God. I was trying to. Even in the streets, I was questioning God sometimes. Even I have a relationship with him like I have now. I would talk to him. I was like, God, I know there's more to life than this. You know, I sometimes I'd be out to three or four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, sitting out with my homeboys and stuff like that. And we out there, you know, doing what we do. But I always saw an incoming and I didn't know what it was going to be, you know, and how it was going to be. But the way things happened in that situation with the murder charge, it happened perfectly for me to now come to God without all those other distractions that I had from the street. Because I was locked up. You see what I'm saying? Of course. And when I got locked up, on a murder charge, the first week I was in there, I was making this deal with God that if he get me out, I was going to leave the drug life alone. I'm going to start music producing because that was always my passion, music production. And I was in a cell by myself. Nobody was in there. No windows, no access to the phone because I was in solitary confinement. They had put me there to keep me away from my homeboy who caught the charge with so we wouldn't talk about how to get out of the charge, I guess, right? While I was in there, I was making this talk with God. Like one night, this situation happened was very weird. And to this day, that's been my awakening moment. That's why I've been woke ever since. In the corner of my eyes, I'm making this, this deal with God. This light shines in the room like a fire, like a like this bright, fiery image. All right. Just, and it just started getting closer and closer to me. And as it got close to me, I felt the fire, like heat all over my body. And I heard a voice say to me, you about to work for me. And at that moment, I fell on my knees and I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I, I was ignorant to all this because I didn't know these kind of experiences happen with people until I started reading the Bible. So eventually I was released from that area and put in population around everybody else. And I finally got a chance to talk, you know, my family and everything. Because there was one that was going on. They couldn't hear from me and things like that. And so, you know, I started getting into the word with other people who couldn't read. I started reading for them. And eventually I just started talking to them about God, which I didn't understand what I was doing. I mean, just now I'm ministering to people, right? And that kind of went on in there. And, you know, I started getting my life together, reading about different things. And I, I didn't realize how lost I was. I really know. I didn't know how far away from God I was until I started getting into the scriptures and started seeing how my life, how I was living. You know what I'm saying? I was in total darkness, you know? Even though I had good moments of being a good person, you know, like I, I give people the shirt on my back, right? But those were characters I learned from my family, you know, characteristics I learned from my mom. She was always a good person. My grandfather, people like that. 
But to have it as an attribute of Christ, I didn't understand that yet. So as I began to get in the word and stuff like that, you know, I started forgiving people. I started walking in love. I started changing right in front of the very people that I had misled or led to do things that was crazy, right? And so now I'm in the jail writing the guys and talking to them about Christ. And my cell is full of brothers from the streets who are hearing me teach the word to them now. You know what I'm saying? So they were shocked. They thought I was going to do it because I locked up and I was under all this pressure. But it wasn't that. I had really surrendered my life to Christ. You feel me? And so, yeah, that was the beginning of my walk. You were in the fruit of the spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, I felt like there was still something missing, though. So around February 13th, there was a guy came in. He was came in from actually a Pentecostal church talking about speaking in tongues and baptism of the Holy Ghost and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember that February 13th, that's the day I actually got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I can honestly say after that, everything changed for real. Like, even though I had that moment going on with the conversion and, and experience from, you know, the counter from that fire, you know, now all of a sudden this thing has happened to me with this baptism and it's just like, now my whole life is different. You know, I don't see things the same ever again, see. And from there, my life started changing even more while I was in there. And so um, God worked out a miracle for me. I was looking at life. They offered me life without parole in prison for all those charges. But God worked the miracle out of my life. I came home in 21 months. They knocked all that down, and I ended up getting eight years, which I was supposed to do four years, but I ended up getting early release parole for good behavior. And came home in 21 months hmm. from all that stuff I did. That's yeah. so wild. Yeah, that's, it, was, it, it's, it was a miracle. That's it, grace. It's yeah. totally a miracle. Yeah, it was a miracle. So yeah. you were in there with all the guys that you were working with before. Yes. And you were leading them in a different yes. direction before. Mm-hmm. But now you've totally changed and you're leading them. And they followed? Yes. And yes. still to this day are, are some, many of some, them? You know, it's crazy how, how it happened, though, because some are. Mm-hmm. But then in the process, some failed because yeah. they didn't surrender. You know what I'm saying? They were following you. Right. They didn't right. ever follow. They were looking at me as more, more the example. So when they yeah. would go home, they didn't have the example to follow. Right? right. I was still locked up. So a lot of them would go home and I see them come back. And then when I came home, some of those who I was actually reaching, they were actually going for a while. But they were still fighting and struggling. Like I lost a lot of friends in the process of me changing my life. When I said I lost them, somebody they died. You know what I'm saying? The guys yeah. that I really hung with, they died. So one guy actually in particular, who was the one I went to jail with on the murder charge, he started coming to God. But then eventually, he ended up getting this congestive heart failure issue. And he lost a lot of weight, got down to 150 pounds, and he was still struggling with trying to get high in the streets, you know. And so eventually he died. But in the meantime, I was still helping him go to church. He was on a walker. You know what I mean? This guy went from being pretty much a mass murderer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To now being on a walker and seeing him suffer. You know, I had to go to the hospital while he was in a coma for like 30 days. And I was with him praying with him and stuff like that. And so they gave it like the Christ. But I could say it was a struggle for him because I ended up leaving from that area and moving to back around New Orleans area. And I got married and stuff like that. So I had lived in that area. And so I wasn't really talking to him a whole lot. And I was focusing on trying to build a ministry in those areas. But I was still on the phone with him. But, you know, it's like when you're not around people, and you're constantly yeah. influencing them. They got other influences coming in here. And so what's more familiar to them, nine times out of ten, that's what they mm-hmm. normally go back to. You know? So They never surrendered to what you surrendered to to right. have that inside of them. Right. When you were on your knees that night, how long was it after you had entered into that you, you were sentenced? So how long were you in jail for before that happened? A week. So no, not, not even it, a week. Oh, really? So yeah. it was right away? Yeah, right away. Yeah, it's like... Maybe two days into 
me getting put in that position. Because I got arrested in New Orleans and they shipped us back to that city where it happened to me, put in that jailhouse. Oh. And so two days in, I had that talk with God. And that's when that conversion happened. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, when I look back now, it was all part of God's timetable, you know, for me yeah. to come in. You feel me? So it just happened right on time. You know, I, and I needed that. I needed that. I'm going to be honest. I needed to change because I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. You know, I, had, I you know, people had put hits on me for things I did to them. When I say hit them, somebody, the hitman came looking for me, literally. And I saw him and I knew of him for what he do. And so when one of my friends in the parking lot at the club called me, and he said, hey, T, you know this dude coming out here to kill you, right? And I said, what? He said, yeah, man, the guy gave me $2,500 to take you out. He said, you're going to give me another $2,500 when I finish. He said, but because I know who you are, I can't do that to him. I'm going to bring the money back to him. So he was coming to kill me. You know? Wow. But God protected me in all that. Even when you're getting shot, shot at. But I lived a dangerous life. You know, I'm grateful that I have been able to live through it because a lot of my friends have not. They're dead, they're dead, or they locked up in prison for life. You know what I'm saying? I know that you are such a man of integrity and honesty, and how, and I obviously you have always been that way, but you struggled with it's an evil attack on your spirit. How did that lead you to not keeping guilt, holding on to guilt and shame from all of this? Because most people would be completely crippled in those emotions, especially someone like you who who does have honor and integrity. Do you understand what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I, well, you know, accepting God's forgiveness, first of all, and also forgiving myself, you know, for mm-hmm. things I've done. That's how I was able to kind of get out of that, that whole mindset of the guilt and all the shame that went I went through with it, you know, because when I looked at the scriptures and seen people who God has forgiven for the stuff they did, for instance, like David. This man had multiple murders on his hand, you know, all the infidelity. I mean, just the things he'd done, and God still used him greatly. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Solomon, all Solomon, of those, yeah. you know, all the different men in the Bible. Solomon you know, had 300 wives. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of things they did. So when I saw the grace of God applied to their life and the mercy of God applied to their life, and I saw us being in the new covenant that he like applied even more, yes. I was able to accept it. You know what I'm saying? You know what? We were just talking about this at church, and... He was saying, you've got to read your Bible and you've got to be in the scriptures. And one of my favorite YouTube channels is Truth Unedited. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. heard that one. Mm-hmm. He's very radical, but he's so intelligent. But anyway, he says, you cannot just take my word for it. You have to be in the scripture. And from what it sounds like, you didn't just get saved by a pastor coming in. Mm-mm. You experienced it yourself, and then it was reinforced by some of the pastors. But for most, learning was by you being in the scriptures yourself. Because there are so many people that I meet that they feel, then they know that God forgives them. They know that they have, they have the grace and that they can walk in it, but they don't allow it, and they still live with the guilt and the shame because their actions show that, and it holds them back. And you didn't allow that to hold you back. You're still moving, and you're still walking in grace and in truth, and that's amazing. Well, you know, one of the things that also helped me, too, because while I was locked up, I read a lot. I mean, I had no yep. Hell, hell what time. else are you going to do? I mean, I had enough time to read all through everything. I mean, I would just read. I would just read, and then as I would teach— I would teach about forgiveness. I would teach about God having mercy yeah. because those guys that were sitting in my cell, all of them had been through stuff. All of them had done stuff, you know, and they had to understand that themselves that, man, God loves you. 
And that's why even right now in my life, you know, I'm in the entertainment business, right? I do production, I think like that, but I'm DJing. And the people I'm, I'm around, God specifically told me one day, he said, I want them to understand I love them where they're at. Because a lot of times people feel like they got to get right before they come to God. And that yeah. sometimes never happens because of procrastination, right? That's where he wants you. You know what I'm saying? But he wants to deal with you right where you're at, you know what I'm saying? And have a relationship. So with me, reading those scriptures, I had to know that God forgives. But what happened too also when I started hearing about Saul, who became Paul, his experience with the Lord on the road of, to Tarsus, he was mm -hmm. going to actually have Christians killed. He had this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul eventually knew it was Christ and talking to him, and he gave his life to Christ. But Saul was a man who had bad behavior, but God yeah. still used him for his good. You see what I'm saying? And Paul began to write a lot of the Bible, you feel me? Yeah. So when I look at his life and how he was and how God converted him, that also woke me up and said, man, if God can do this for this man. In them times, what can you do with me? You know what I'm saying? David, Who was somebody Saul, come from? Saul. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I accepted that, period. But without reading that and without, you know, getting into the word of that, it's fundamentally hearing it from somebody else because that's their interpretation of what they're telling you. But when you can actually read it yourself and experience it and then that word gets in you, yes. that's the power of the word. Yes. Yes, sir. When it goes into your spirit, then it becomes real. Yes, sir. Hearing it from somebody else, it's there. But it, you don't surrender it. And another thing also, you know, Scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing part of my mind through the Word of God, it had to be something I do daily when I was mm. incarcerated. Because it's easy to get caught up in the foolishness that goes on in prison, right? Mm -hmm. All the games they play and the stupid stuff they do. I heard it's a whole, I mean, crazy it's an world. House. world. It's it an animal house. It's okay. really an animal house. An animal house, it's yeah. It's an animal house. I'm serious. This really is. When there's rows and benches and who sits where, like, you better. Well, every prison is different, you know, and it's just the fact that it's chaotic. It's the chaotic part of it. You've it's taken the, the chaos out of the world and you've put it in a box. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and you know how that goes. And no. you're asking them to behave? Yeah. So a lot of them guys that was locked up, man, they, some of them didn't want to change. And yeah. you can see it. I mean, they really wanted to come there and just have fun and then go back home and do the same thing over again. And I remember a couple of guys who actually came against me teaching the word of God who I knew. And I told them, I said, man, you know, this is the best time for you to get your life together because you don't know what's ahead of you. And then we're listening to me. And I'm telling you something, those guys, them three guys in particular, went through hell. One of them lost his mom, man. His brother-in-law shot his mom, shot his sister. I mean, it was horrible stuff. And I look back and I say, man, if they had just surrendered their life to God, they don't know what God could have preserve or kept in their right. life. But because they turned their back on him when they had an opportunity to get right with him, they seen a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm just grateful that I gave my life to Christ and I never turned back. I may have slipped, fallen, all these different things along the way, but to turn my back on him? Did no. you ever get in a situation where you might have been endangered or hurt or killed or anything in prison, oh, yeah. but yeah. you were, God protected you? Well, I... I was just telling somebody the other day, my first moments and I was getting myself together, but then I got moved to another facility and there are some guys that was on their last year or two who was in there with me and they tried some crazy stuff for me, right? So I was asking one of them to pray one day and he said some stuff back to me that was in a, a homophobic way. You know what I'm saying? He was like, oh, yeah, you can pray for me. Lift me up. You know? But in the, you know, being ignorant. Yeah. And I told him, I said, bro, you know, I don't play like that, man. I said, we'll stop playing. What you going to do? What you going to do? Oh, Rail, he's been called the Rail. Well, Rail, what you going to do? What you going to do? I said, look, bro, 
I'm trying to get myself together, man, with all that. It just kept going. Well, eventually, I just had to drop my guards down. You know, I told him, hey, you know what? Just go in the bathroom, bro. Let's go. Let's go. And at one time, I hit one of them, you know, in the process of it. And he, man, I'm just playing. I was just playing. And so I thought that was enough to send a message to everybody else. But one of them, another one tried the same thing. And this time he came at me with, with a shank, right? He tried to stab me. And so when he came at me, I hit him so hard in his face, he dropped the shank. And so, but that was it. That was after that. You know, I ain't had too much to deal with after that because even though people would say stuff, because, you know, you got to think when you're trying to serve God, and you're trying to walk in a, a different direction. Right. The enemy's going to try you. And that's what happened. He just came back with all this taunting and stuff. And so it was times in there I just like, you know, God, I don't really want to fight them. I don't really want to do this, do this, nothing. But I'm not going to let them play with me like this. You know what I'm saying? And so... Because they were hearing stuff about me. They heard how I used to be. Mm. And they were trying to see They were was, taunting you. Right. They were trying to see if I was going to go back and try to do that and live that yeah. kind of life again. I gave it up. But I'm not no weak dude. You know, yeah. I'm not a coward, right? right. So I'm not going to let you play with me like that on a disrespectful level. You know, so that happened. And eventually, you know, where it got out that, you know, hey, stop messing with them like that. You know what I'm saying? But I was grateful that it didn't get back to the correction officers and the people yeah, because for sure. it would have messed up my so-called good, good standing, good behavior yeah. that I was having. But it worked out. You know, God worked it out until I came home and, and I was blessed with that. But yeah, they tried, you know. But How did you deal with temptation when you got home? Because it had to be uncomfortable to go be around the people who are, you know, so-called Christians because Christians can be super judgmental and rude. I mean, anybody can, but you know what I mean? How was it going back into trying to find your place where you felt comfort? When I came home, I had an ex-girlfriend who was my two kids' mother, and I went to go live with her eventually. And it was weird because she knew me from how I used to be. And to accept me as a new person because she wasn't saved, it was difficult. So mm -hmm. I had to eventually move out and go back and live with my mom. But it was in the same neighborhood that I come from. So I was home for about a month. And then I met some people, uh, actually a lady who used to smoke crack. You know, I used to sell crack to her. And she saw me. She was like, so far as you know, you was actually a real smart person. And which I was. I always was an educated dude in school. I just was the gangster nerd. Anyway, um, <laughs> she said, you knew you were a very smart person. You think you should, you should go, to, go to the university, go to school. I said, I never thought about that. And I got my GD while I was locked up. I said, I think I'm thinking about doing that. So I ended up going to a university for business administration. And the crazy thing about it, that kind of started helping me mm -hmm. evade anything that was It gave out you there, a sense of purpose. You on a, right. On a path. And the crazy thing it was, I was actually, when I was waiting for my ride to pick me up, I was actually standing on the same corner they were you selling that I used to sell dope at. Oh, yep. my gosh. That was, that was crazy. You, you know, know it yeah. just goes to show that, okay, we've got the new year coming. You know, we got 2023. And Trey and I talked about this on our last episode. We love to, at the end of the year, just kind of reset some things in our home, our mm -hmm. home life, you know, declutter, things like that, the obvious. Obviously, we want to, you know, keep our health up. We do a pretty good job of that. So I'd say that box is pretty checked. But then, you know, there's looking at what's our relationship like with God? What's it like with our family? Mm -hmm. You know, where are thing, areas that we can improve? And then we also have our goals for, you know, business, personal, whatever. I feel like when you have a goal and you have a purpose, it keeps you in line with why you're doing all the other thing. So you were walking in God's path for you and you made a purpose and a plan and it kept you walking that path. 
Because if you didn't make that plan to go back to school, maybe you would have made a different plan. I don't know. Maybe you would have done something else. Maybe you wouldn't have. The thing about it, it was school, but also the ministry that was coming into the prison while I was there, Mm -hmm. they became my pretty much accountability partners when I came home. So you had community already. Yeah. So I got baptized the night I came home, right? Really? The night you came home? 12 on one, I got out. I got baptized like one something that morning. And I got into the church I was going to, and the pastor eventually wanted me to become his youth pastor. So I became connected to that ministry, and, and that became the accountable partners I need. So when I was going through things, you know, I'll call them, or they would take me fishing. They would, I'll be constantly be doing stuff with them. Mm-hmm. It was older people. So I was like the little younger brother. So they was always mm-hmm. having me with them, doing things. And that became my, I would say, training wheels. Yeah. To help me along the way until I found strength in God outside of prison. Because one thing to serve God in prison, we don't have all these distractions, right? Yeah. You don't have all these things coming at you. But when you come home, you got all kind of stuff happening. And I have a job at the time. So I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm make. But eventually I had a job. I got one for working at Walmart and stuff like that. So things started happening, you know. God started showing me his provision and, you know, and things started happening. So I didn't have no desire to go back in the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was done with that. You had too much accountability at this point. Yeah. Because yeah. you were living it and mm-hmm. speaking it to others and you were a natural born leader mm-hmm. and you had accountability with your family and this new community. Yeah. And it just goes to show how much we need community. We do. We need community so much. And that's one of the things that Trey and I have been working on and we want to move into the new year with is having more of our family of believers that we can connect with. Trey and I just went to Israel in September and it was amazing. And we made such good friends while we were there. And we both talked about how amazing it was to meet friends that you could just have fun with and be yourself, but also share uh, your relationship with God with Mm -hmm. and, and talk about God and talk about just a variety of subjects because a lot of times we have friends where it's like, oh, we're friends because of this and we stay on these subjects, right? Or, you know, I know these moms because our kids all go to basketball together. And so we only talk about kind of that. It's just that it's so great to have a community that you can just in all areas, you share your weaknesses, your, your strengths, your comforts, your plans, your goals, things like that. I love how accepting and forgiving your community was already you just coming out and they baptize you right there. There's so many people who would not do that. They would turn their back. Well, the thing is, what I was grateful was those guys who was coming into the prison had been in prison before. Yeah. Who had been, got saved and was in ministry now. So it helped me to be around people who understood my walk. Yeah. Coming in the door, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And coming out. You see that, what I'm that's saying? what I was going to ask you. Cause when, when you were saying that, you know, you were, ministering to your friends in there while you were saved and going through that process. And then they would kind of fall off when you weren't around mm-hmm. having that support when you came out is also what's helped you because oh, you surrendered, yeah. but you were also being attacked. Yeah. And then having those attacks, you needed to have that foundation to go back to yeah. outside of just your faith, but just the community side. Cause when we came back from Israel, you know, you, you start this new walk. You start doing things that you've never done before, saying things that you haven't said before, and you feel confident when you do it, but when some of the people around you that are hearing it aren't getting the react, you're not getting the reaction you thought you would get or that you surrendered to, you doubt, you have fear, you have insecurities. And that's some of the things that, at least for me, I was experiencing coming back from Israel and uh, just last week going into church and having that community to say, hey man, I need you to pray for me right now. 
and having them put their hands on me and pray, it just melts away, you know, and without that support, you're trying to carry it all by yourself again and you don't have to because God will release it from you and people that God puts around you will help you know how to do that. And that's what I say. That's a good thing about having that community is that I had them. Then I had the pastor who I became his youth pastor and also is a uh, bearer. So I would travel with him and watch him. That's cool. And he ended up trusting me to lead his ministry when he would go places. Like he was like, Hey, I want you to preach like today for me. And uh, that was that the first be, time I was like, what? You want me to do what? kind of mad because I'm, I'm the new kid, right? And I'm, I'm fresh out of there and he's putting his ministry in my hand. But the thing about it, I was winning a lot of souls too, because his church was like 60 people when I got there. But as I, when I came home, I was on the bus. I was everywhere winning people God. So the church went from 60 people, like 250 people within six months. Wow. It was packed. You know, it was a small church, but it got packed. And then it started growing and growing. A lot of people who was coming knew me from the streets. And so, like, slaving person, I might know a beautiful hairstylist who may have 10 friends. I talked to her about coming, and she'll bring all her friends. And I talked yeah. to my friend over here who knew me. He'll bring some. And it was, like, getting packed. I mean, it was just getting packed. So, the, the church is the OG of network marketing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it was is. good, man. It was good. And so, you know, I have had a lot of experience with different ministries along the way. You know, I was like at Lakewood for three years uh, with the prison ministry and also the men's ministry. So I was with uh, Jesse Duplantis. I was with a lot of mega churches, too, and along with the smaller churches. So I've had a lot of experience in different ministries along the way, you know, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So where are you at today? I'm actually right now at Church Living Waters, which is off of CEK. And God actually sent me there recently just to kind of help out with the ministry, the media part. Uh-huh. I don't know if the pastor is ready for me to speak yet, but, but you know, you know, sometimes the older speakers, they only want them young guys uh-huh. coming in. But I love them all. I've been there for a minute. I don't know if I'm going to stay there because I really I really want to start, start doing things online. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a gift to speak. I've been a speaker for a long time. And people love to hear me when I do speak because, you know, a lot of times when I'm speaking, I break down the word to them. I don't. I'm not like the old-fashioned preachers I come from with the hollering and stuff like that. I'm a teacher. So when I get in the scriptures, I like to break it down and have people understand. And one of the things I, I was talking to somebody the other day about, I love how churches operate, don't get me wrong, but one of the things I feel like is that some of them have not taught things that were needed. You know, and when I mean by that, I'm a business person, right? So I love business. Some of the ministries I've been part of, they never taught on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it has set a lot of people back. You know what I'm saying? Who had business ideas or things they wanted to do in business. And it was never taught from the pulpit, so to say, how to get going. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like you missed out on certain things in the scripture that could have been taught to people to prosper. You feel me? And I'm not talking about prosperity ministry in itself, but it's things in the scripture that you, like Solomon, friends, go back to him. This man was a businessman. You know, he was not just a- the Wisest man you know, ever. A womanizer in a sense, but he was a businessman. He had a lot of business in the city. When I started seeing scriptures like that, Matt, I'm going to tell you what book actually changed my life around uh, when it comes to business a lot, was this, a book I read is called Anointed for Business from Ed Savasso. And what he did, he pinpointed in the scriptures people who we look at their life for one thing, but totally ignore the fact they was business people. And that's one thing about God. That's what he's about also. Also about- having you start businesses because businesses is another way to influence people or bring the gospel into people's lives. You feel yeah. me? So like like Paul, for instance, he was a tent maker, which would be equivalent to a house builder thing. He was able to use his tent making business to get in people's life to bring the word of God to him. Yeah, he'd go yeah. into the communities and share and then come back and that's where all the stories came from. So it's like, why should I just settle for just being a person in the pulpit when yet you can't be effective but I think when you start tapping off into that business realm, your voice get louder. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The reach is more impactful if you know how to use it right. You yeah. feel me? And you can help more people. Or if you want 
if that's where your heart is. Because some people... They're selfish. Some people don't want... Well, some people are really good at their personality is just to go do it on a small scale. They're, they're a serving yeah, yeah, heart, yeah, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. And yeah. because we... Obviously, a lot of those businesses are going to need people to work with them, alongside them. Mm-hmm. So they may be the person that likes to work alongside them or with them. That may be where their gift is. Well, it's like for me, right? In this television thing I've been doing and entertainment, all this stuff. It has always been great doors for me to actually get reach people. You know, like I'll be in a conversation. Like one of the guys I hang with right now, he's a big DJ here. And it's crazy. When I first met him, I didn't say anything about God. It's just that he was going to that juice place and Tom that was bragging on me. They were saying, man, you got to meet Pastor Ball, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why well, they told him that? I didn't want him to see me like that, right? Because I want to get in his life an- another way. I don't want to yeah. have that They're image because sometimes, yeah, they, they, they freeze up, you know? <laughs> right. And so he recognized, though, when I was talking to him, he said, man, you know, I feel like God has sent you to us, like the entertainers. Because the way I deal with entertainers, I don't preach to them, but I bring God up mm-hmm. in ways that they'll catch it. It's conversations. Wisdom, too. Using that wisdom. Because you just can't, you can't just go preach to them. Uh, everybody will lock up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So I try to ease it in. Like, one day we're riding bikes in the Heights area. And I say, man, watch. Man, you know, the other day, man, I, I put my, um, I gave an offering to the church. Man, I've been getting blessed all week, you know? You're like, oh, man, yeah, yeah. And I, I would throw it in there just like that, you know, just kind of. It's, it's seeds. Yeah. It's seeds yeah. that start and spark conversations, yeah. and then it grows from there. The words say, he who wins souls is wise. You know, you can't go fishing with bait that fish don't like. You know what I'm saying? So where I'm at right now, God is definitely changing my outlook on how things used to look for me when it came down to ministry. I'm seeing it from a wider scope now. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I'm accepting that, you know, where I'm at now and the walk I'm going on. Well, in this modern day of technology and how everything's spreading and growing to our phones and to the podcast, and, you know, there is a bigger reach. You could reach people in a different country that you would never be able to reach standing in a pulpit in front of a church, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So if that's a calling, then the, the platform's already laid out. Yes, sir. Actually, I was living in Tomball six years ago, and I ended up running into Bruce Hillegeist, who was actually over the Chamber of Commerce here. And they invited me to come speak at Tomball at the Christian Business Luncheon. And it was crazy because there's a business luncheon, right? Mm-hmm. But he heard, one of the guys heard me telling my testimony, so they invited me to come speak. And it was all businessmen in there. But that platform was created, you know, for that purpose. And I went, walked right into it. And, like, and I said to myself that day, I said, God, I could see me doing this, talking to business leaders one day, you know, about Christ. Because some people know Christ and some people don't. But the thing about it, it's not just about knowing Christ, it's about knowing those characters of Christ that you can apply to your business also, you know? And so they put it up on YouTube and everything. It's been some years, but I remember actually walking into that when I was living in Tomball. Yeah. I love it. What's the YouTube video called? Do you remember? It should be on the Tomball Christian Business Luncheon. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually going to Chamber of Commerce a lot out here too. Actually, he invited me to the Salem Lutheran Church over here. Uh-huh. So I went over there, but I'm going to a divorce with my wife here, and so I ended up moving back into that area, the contours are uh, 45 and 45 Beltway. Area. Where are you at right now? Around that area, 45, okay. yeah. 45 um, Beltway? I'm trying to move to the Heights area, though. Because I just see more people I can get involved with out there. Now, yeah. I wanted to move in this region again, like the Woodlands area, but 
Mm, lots of Slim and Con Road. <laughs> I like it. It's cool. We but can, well, we can find you a Gucci bag and, you know, some. I was thinking about moving to Conroe, actually, because Conroe, you know, has always been a good breeding ground, even for ministry, you yeah. know. But I don't know. That's a little far from Houston. Yeah. And I know you like the big city, too. That's, that's Montgomery County versus what, Harris what County. What it is, is where I, like with the DJing things, some of the things I want to do is create my own festivals. And the festivals, it would be music, but don't look at me that way. But, Sorry, we were, I, we, were, we were just talking about she's festivals. like I missed I four love, festivals yeah. already this year because you didn't want to go. And I, was like, I, just I like don't to enjoy go to festivals. ethnic festivals. I like to go. She to loves the, festivals. The Indian, there's a Palestinian festival. There's an Italian. It's a German festival coming up. Hispanic festival. There's a German. It's great education for the kids. When you look at the scriptures, the right? When the Holy Ghost came on the disciples and the Pentecost. It was at a Pentecostal festival. Mm -hmm. God manifested himself. So I say, wow, if you can get a bunch of people to gather in one place who may be thinking they're coming for one thing, and then you throw God in there, not preachy-wise, but open up with prayer or, or interject things, yeah. you're actually grabbing a big group of people at one time and you giving them Christ. You see what I'm saying? Whether some receive or not, the fact is that seed was planted on a massive group of people. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And me being a DJ, I have now that power to and a promoter to bring people together. How so. how do you manage, you know, some of the music out there today is just so far Crazy. beyond. I mean, you listen really listening to the words. And at the end of the day, I mean these celebrities are they're looking for love and acceptance and influence themselves. And but you know, many of them have had to sell themselves out to a different power in order to receive all this fame and fortune. And they talk about it in their songs a mm -hmm. lot of times. And but their influence people, you know, idolize these celebrities, which, you know, I mean, any of us are capable of doing. I've certainly idolized them. But some of their music is definitely contradictory towards <laughs> what so how do you play that music? How what happens when you're at an event? Well the thing is I've been blessed to play lately a lot of music that are not as crazy, you mm -hmm. know, some of the events I go to. Crazy because my DJ experience is weird, right? So I'll play music like that. They ask me for it. But then I come back and play stuff to kind of like drown out what they just heard. Right. You see what I'm saying? Okay. It's just the way I operate. I'll give you what you think you want, but yeah. I'm going to show you what you need. Well, yeah, right. Something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. because you, you're in control of the room, right? And you're in control of the vibe. So... I play that, but then I find other songs to come back and kind of like just drown out everything you just heard. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But at the same time, you but know- you have I, the knowledge of that. Yeah. And the yeah. situational awareness and the room yeah. awareness to be able to do it. Yeah. And also when I'm leaving it's on the microphone, I, be, I say stuff like, you know, I hope everybody have a good night and God bless you, you know. So I kind of throw stuff in there, you know yeah. what I'm saying, as they're leaving out. But that's how I get away with a lot of stuff. But even the people who do those lyrics like that, you know, I've met a lot of rappers and I, I understand a lot of them even like that. They not even like that. These guys are not gangsters. They're not hard. They're not none of that. They're nerds. They're cowards, a lot of them. And it's mm -hmm. crazy. But because they want that success, they yeah. sell out to it. You feel yeah. me? They, they feel like and they have to act that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at what point is the song, the YMCA, uh, necessary <laughs> to play? Is that after... Maybe like that's, that's I like oh big Lord. butts and I cannot lie song or like when does uh well you know like we, like like for me a lot of places I go at a lot of people like line dance songs line dancing line dance, like Cupid Shuffle oh, yeah, yeah. Or Wobble and stuff like that yeah. even Wobble kind of crazy but you know uh, it's just 
the that kid, wobble can get crazy. Yeah, it can get crazy. <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff, you know. But with me personally, how I control the room, or I'd rather say how I facilitate these songs, honestly, I believe it's God that really helped me to go in and out the way people, you mm-hmm. know, move and then drop stuff in there where it calms everything down. You know yeah. what I'm saying? As a DJ, I mean, you're practically, that's like being the MC of an event. And you have the opportunity to pray over massive amounts yeah. of people. Yeah. And they don't even really know it. They may feel it. Because they leave there feeling feeling the presence, feeling good. And that's another thing I started seeing too, that the DJ thing became more, more like a, a ministry. And I say in the sense of it's a service being offered, but it also brings happiness. Mm-hmm. It brings joy. It brings, you know, a good time. People going through depression. People going through hard time. People going through sad things. So when you turn this music on and they start moving around, I feel like I've done a job that is good because people feel good now. They're leaving happy, you know. You know and they're like, man, you did a good job. And so I'm, I feel like I've done something that's beneficial. You see what I'm saying? Did you ever get music in prison? Did they ever play music? Yeah, I actually just do music in prison myself too. Do you sing? I sing. You sing? Oh. Yeah, I sing. I know how to rap. I, I don't. I got a song right now about the release called Raise Your Hands. It's actually a clean song. It's a dance song. I like to make dance music, you know. But Me too. I've been having this gift of music since I was a kid. Yeah. You like to make dance music, Amy? Huh? You like to make dance music? So no, just, I like dance music. Okay, I like, <laughs> like to, I like to work out to it. I like a strong beat. Then that's the thing. That's honestly the thing that moves people. That's yeah. the thing that pulls everybody in. Yep. It's the beat. Yeah, we've talked about music in here. We actually had Stephanie Harrison here. She is mm-hmm. our lead vocalist at Church Project in the Woodlands, mm-hmm. and we talked about music and how it moves you and how it it actually stimulates the limbic system in the brain. And I mean, God gave us these senses and hearing and music is, and also a sense of smell too, that triggers emotions and memory. So music is truly a gift. Music is healing for a lot of people. Very you know healing. Saying? And um, me personally, I understand that. I mean, that's why with me, I do focus on the beat making part of it uh, the whole lot. I like making beats and I understand when I make that beat, like I can play, make a beat at home and just let it play all, all day. Don't say nothing over the beat at all. Because in that moment, I'm actually going through thoughts. I'm meditating. I'm thinking. And so music in itself is therapy for me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, for me, with the music, I'm not religious. So that's why I can accept stuff. Right. You see what I'm saying? I have a relationship with God. I, I've come out of a religious stage in my life where I'm judgmental, you know, on everything. Like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's the religious I, rules and doctrines. Yeah, I let people be them. You know, if that's what you want to yes. do, that's cool. You understand? Just know you need to have a balance with this, though. Don't be letting this stuff overtake you. You understand? Like, I, I can listen to rap music today, and I can see the word, hear the words, but I'm not going to go pick up a gun, and I'm not going to go do this and do all this crazy stuff that, that talk, they talk about, because I already been to that stage. I already been poisoned that way. But what I will listen to is the fact that I'm hearing it, and I'm also listening to that beat. And I'm listening to yeah. how that beat is structured because that's mainly what I'm looking for and how to make my production better. You feel me? I'm not even worried about the lyrics and then keep that. You feel me? But for the most part, it's the beats I like. I've always loved beats, you know. And if I can actually change somebody's life around with making music that has a great beat to it one day, mm-hmm. I would love that. You see what I'm saying? Because there's a familiarity with a lot of the music that may not be appropriate, mm-hmm. but you throw that beat in there with some appropriate aspects, oh, yeah. it, it brings that familiarity into a whole new way yeah. of understanding it. Like that was listening to Justin Bieber, right? He got a, he got a Christian album out. I, I love Justin it. Bieber. And that album, man, <laughs> the album is interesting because he has some great production in there, the beat wise. And I'm like, this is really what people need to listen to. Not so much the, the, the Christian album itself. It's that sound he got in there. The, whoever made that sound, they made it fit what he was actually trying to say on the, on made the song. Made it fit the narrative. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, 
And that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm at that place where I'm like, okay, God, give me something to reach the people, but not confuse them. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And I believe he's working it out. That's cool. That's cool. You recognize that you're listening. Mm -hmm. And that is what our podcast is. And we want to share how God has worked in our lives. We talk about God pretty much in every single episode because he's part of it. He's part of our life in a very big way. And we are where we are because of our relationship with God. And I don't want anybody, no matter who they are listening, that, you know, they may not have a relationship with God. I still love you. I still want you to listen to our podcast. And I'm going to love you no matter what, whether you take on what we do in our lives or not. If I can somehow serve you in some way, then I've done what I know that I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Well, and this is a good platform to do this from. I mean, right now, media is the hottest thing going. It's always been, but it's more personal now. People can... Yeah. You know, do more with it now. I mean, you got podcasts, you got YouTube. I mean, so much stuff going on right now. So much. So this is a great way to actually influence people, you know what I'm saying? And use it to your best ability because you have a voice. And that voice, you'll be amazed how far that voice travels. Just one thing in a whole conversation somebody can hear can turn your whole life around, depending on what you're saying. Yeah, I found out we were in a couple other countries that I had no idea. Where where were they, John? Are you on speaker? Singapore. Singapore, Spain, Singapore. You got some people listening in Singapore. So, hey, Spain. Hey, France. <laughs> hey, Singapore. There was one more. I thought Germany, maybe. I think it was Germany. Yeah. Well, Tavares. Yes. You know what? I've always pronounced your name Tavares. You should have corrected me before. So as we move into the new year, many people are making their new routines. They're making New Year's resolutions. I don't even, we don't even call it, we've never even called it New Year's resolutions. It's just moving into the new year. And what are some routines that we want to change up? So what does your daily life look like as far as digging into the word? And how do you nurture your relationship with God? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Oh man, I'm a praying man, right? So I spend a lot lot of time really like meditating. When I say meditating, pondering on things that I feel like I need to do but also questioning God on what to do, if I understand what I'm saying, right? You know, like next month, I'm going back to real estate school for real estate investments and finance because I want to start getting into that direction. And it's, it's, it's a reason for that. But me personally, with my walk with God, I'm every day in his presence. It's not a day go by. I'm not talking to him about something. And now when I say a day, I'm not just talking about the morning. This like throughout the whole day. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking, whether it be in my car, whether I'm, Walking, whether I'm on my bike, you know, wherever, I'm trying to find out purpose, his purpose for my life. I don't want to live ignorantly, you know, or just be doing stuff, right? I want to know where he want me to be or what he want me to be doing. You see what I'm saying? And so that's how I'm actually walking with him at this moment in my life. You feel me? And it's always been like that. But So most people, and including myself, and I know probably Trey too, I've always got a voice going in my head. You know, it's like, it's just playing all the time. But you've actually gotten yourself into a habitual routine of talking to God instead of, so instead of you just going round and round to yourself, we, which we all do talking in circles, you're actually talking to God. So that's all day. It's not like a 24 hour thing. It's just, I've still, you know, I still living, doing things in my life, but it's like when I have those moments where I just want to pull away, Yes, I'll just talk to him. Like, maybe I'll be like, okay, Lord, should I go here? Okay. Okay. Things like that. Right. Cause the words say acknowledge him. And, and are you all, speaking like out loud at times? Yes, yes. You are. Mm-hmm. You're talking out loud. Mm-hmm. Not loud, 
But like, I know. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Amy's going to be in her car talking to herself. I am a specific person. I, you, you know, my friend, uh, it was actually Trey's stepbrother's <laughs> wife, told me one time, she said, pray all the time about everything. I was like, what does that mean? You know, like, God, should I go to the restroom right now? No. no. Like, no, what does no, it mean? No, no. But she, she no. said, you know what? It could be as small as, Lord, I need 15 extra minutes of time right now. Can you help me get everything I need done before I walk out the door? It's the little things. Yeah, it's like stuff like this, for instance. We're not going to actually get like, 15 extra minutes, but whatever. Lord, what other business you want me to start? You know, What other yeah. thing you want me to do? It's just asking you know? yeah, guidance. Exactly. When are you in a listening mode? After I ask him. So I might just shut down and not say nothing after that and just get quiet. You see what I'm saying? And that's that's really where I start to hear. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I may not hear anything at that moment. Mm-hmm. It may be when I get up, I go somewhere, I walk out the door, and all of a sudden that voice comes in. And how I found out that's how God moves when I started thinking about, first of all, I'm not the only person he talks to. My point being is I had to wait, you see what I'm saying, for mm-hmm. that voice to come. Sometime maybe, you know, moment where I have to ask him, but then there's times where I'm going to have to wait a little while. And then he comes in and, and tells me what he had to say, you see? And so I've always been taught that too, that sometimes you just got to wait on God's voice. You know, don't just mm-hmm. go and do something so quickly, you feel me? Yeah. So, because some people get caught up in moving too quickly, doing things. That, would be, that would be me and Trey. You know what I'm saying? And not waiting. You feel me? Yeah. And that can cost you. And what about in scripture? How much time in scripture are you a day? I don't read as much as I used to because I've read so much. But what I do now, I'll meditate on something. Like if I'm talking to somebody, right? The other day I was talking about the scripture in John 5, about the man at the pool who was 38 years in there. And I was just talking about the mindset he had. While he was there, he was just crippled, not just in his body, but in his mind. And when Christ came, he came to check his mind, not his body. He gave him a new way of thinking, say, hey, rise up, take your bed up and walk. Because that's what he needed. He needed his mind to be changed. He was mm-hmm. thinking lame, right? And he got up and walked. So these kind of things I think about, you know, the scriptures and how to look in them a little depth, in a little more depth of what's being said and what's being coming out of it, rather say. You see well, what I'm saying? You're using it. You understand now what the word is. The now you're, now you're going back almost like a roadmap and saying, how can I apply this right now with where I'm going? And also help somebody else apply it to their life. You feel yeah. me? Because mm-hmm. people I'm around, that's what's wrong a lot of them. Their mindset's messed up. Yep. You feel me? And it's because they never heard the word of God change their mind in a certain way. You feel me? Yeah. And so my thing is to take them scriptures and make it more relevant. Like today. To them at that moment. Yes. Yes. Because it's all in there. Yeah. It's, it's a roadmap. There, man. It's a roadmap. So I'm not talking about the business. In any, I'm like, any and all situations. Like, how in the world we business? But even health. I mean, like, how many preachers preach about health from the pulpit when churches are full of people who are sick? Diabetes, high blood pressure, all kind of stuff. And yeah, we get prayed for, but nobody changes their diet around. And that's another reason why we're here. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. That so, right there is like I'll go I'll go health, you go business. And that's the thing, is like, man, why are we not talking about this stuff when people are dying sick? Was Christ ever sick? No. He didn't eat like we eat either. Yeah. You know, he was he more a lot of hummus. <laughs> <laughs> so my whole thing is like, we need to teach the whole Bible and not just faith, love, this and that. Like, it's all around. You see what I'm saying? And I think a lot of churches have missed that because some pastors, they only wait for what they knew best. You know what? The Truth Unedited was saying that so many people just stay in the New Testament, but to really understand God who loves Israel, the God of Israel, you got to read the first. The old, yeah, the, you got to you gotta read the Old Testament. You have to. If you, if you don't read that, you'll never even know who God is. For yeah. Real, for real. I mean, that's where it all starts. You know, Moses wrote the first five books, which is where the Pentateuch or the Talmud, all the things that the Jews study when they go to the synagogue. 
And those scriptures are still valid. So you can't take them and say, well, we'll throw it away and focus on the New Testament. No, you skipped out on a whole introduction to who God was. You see what I'm saying? Right. Can't do that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing your story. And I hope I, hope I didn't talk too much. <laughs> oh, no, it's no, been great. No, it was man. perfect. It was amazing. I love it when people come on that have a beautiful story because we don't have to do much but just sit here and listen. <laughs> it's so amazing. And, and, and that, to that's listen to your- what our listeners are doing is listening. And when you have us captive, we know our listeners are captive. So we, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you. Appreciate One of the things that we love to do at the end of the year, beginning of the new year, kind of in that little small space between before the kids go back to school after Christmas, we basically between the 26th and, you know, January 7th, (laughs) we like to watch some of our favorite Christian movies. War Room is number one. Have you heard of that one? Mm -hmm. Amazing. We watch War Room, Fireproof. We need to watch some more Fireproof this year for sure. (laughs) That one's about marriage. Yeah, make that covenant with with my my 15-year-old. Give her that ring. No, that's courageous. Oh, that's courageous. There's just so many faith-based movies out there that are really, really good. And Mm -hmm. movies have such an amazing way of, you know, basically influencing you. That's why you got to be careful about what you're watching. But it's just such a good reset. And I just, your story is too. And it's amazing to hear it. And I just thank you for being vulnerable and telling us all about it. One thing I learned along this journey is that even though I may not be perfect walking with God, I have learned to accept his grace that will mature me into a place where there'll be things that I may have struggled with in one season. Mm-hmm. I may not struggle with going forward. And that grace is applied there for that purpose. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm grateful. And we get to end on that because I think this is airing right before Christmas. So you're oh, going to wow. be our last episode this year. Oh, so man, what a beautiful that. way to, to end on on, on his that. word. Well, Merry Christmas to y'all and Happy New Year. You know, and hope y'all have yeah. a great year coming up. Yes. Thank you very thank much. You, thank Same you. to you. Bye, everyone. And thank y'all. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly. There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. 
But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com.